We are created by God to live in this world under the influence of another realm. But we must pay attention to the influence of another realm and not be distracted by the voices that exist around us in this world. We are in so many ways given to the voices of this world. I'm going to address this uh, next week. I want to talk a little more into this and understanding the Tower of Babel and the babbles of the world and the influence they can have in all of our lives. But today I want us to really engage in an understanding of our design to walk in and explore the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear me say loud and clear as the lead elder of the house we want you to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. We want you to mature in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And the power of God should be active today through His sons and daughters of God that actually continue to perpetuate God's kingdom in the world in Jesus' mighty name. That is our passion and desire for you. Come on, let's agree. All of us, let's agree. Let's stir ourselves up. We just received today an awakening of the Spirit of God. So I want to talk to you about this from a little bit of a different standpoint. I just felt the Lord kept bringing me back over and over again to the deeper narrative that He wants us to comprehend. You know, Jesus didn't show up all of a sudden and just say, Hey, here's the message. Hope you get it. Like, the Word of God doesn't just make mention of something, but the Word of God is such that there's substance in what God reveals in such a way that His Word comes to dwell with you until it brings God's purposes to pass and will not return void because it will accomplish those purposes. So that bearing in mind, not only does his word come to dwell with us when he's revealing what he's desiring for us to possess, but there's been this, this narrative through the generations that we need to comprehend and just understand a little bit more about. I'm not great. My forte, my strength is not all the details of Bible history and the progression of and so on. I've had to catch up in a lot of that, becoming a believer a little bit later in life. And, uh, but I, I'm, I just feel like we need to understand something today. So bear with me as I do the best I can at giving a kind of a broken explanation. But bottom line, we are on Pentecost Sunday today. Pentecost meaning 50th. We are 50 days past the celebration of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, uh, and that's Pentecost. It happens 50 days after. If you remember uh, the Sunday before um, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we talked about um, the Passover, uh, I'm sorry, Palm Sunday. See how, see how good I am. Palm Sunday was the week before. Passover is the week of Easter. But there's this phenomenal uh, prophecy that came to pass with the with uh, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. It was very mathematically aligning and specifically provable. And we talked about that, and God's Word is true, and Jesus is Lord. Aren't you glad Jesus is Lord? And He came, and He was the sacrificial lamb. And so that Passover uh, was the, the time that Jesus is being presented in, on Palm Sunday, and then Passover is when the, the sacrifice took place. So the first 
first Passover actually took place in Egypt, and it was the final plague when God is trying to get the Israelites out of the bondage of the world system. We all together, this was the Passover. We know that's the Passover. We know that they sacrificed lambs and they put blood on the top of the doorframe and the side of the doorframe and the blood would drip from the top down and on the sides and so literally form the shape of a cross as an expression of a prediction that one day the ultimate Passover lamb would come. His name we know is Jesus. The Messiah would fulfill the prophecies, 330 prophecies of the first coming of Christ and Jesus fulfilled every single one of those prophecies you can trust God's word and you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ he's the one who came to save the world and we uh, we hold our hope dear in understanding who he truly is but you understand that Passover the first Passover they came out of Egypt and 50 days later in that particular day after the first Passover humanity had this incredible encounter with God unlike anything humanity had ever seen in the first Passover they came out of Egypt and then Moses goes up on a mountain while the Israelites are standing around and that's where Moses encounters God in such a way that he gets the Ten Commandments they're revealed this is all uh, such a great type of the power of Christ the word made flesh and Moses his face is glowing from this encounter with God I mean this is amazing isn't isn't it? This was 50 days after Passover in the original Passover. By the way, what happened when the Israelites, what was the first thing the Israelites did when they came out of the bondage of Egypt and they're going to the place of promise? They passed through the water. We need to understand that because water baptism is incredibly important because when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they passed through the water and that which had held them captive died and perished in the water that day and they walked through the water onto a place of greater promise and some of you need to embrace water baptism as a declaration in your life that curses are broken, generational curses are broken and you're going to walk in a place of greater freedom to a place of deeper promise. So I want to encourage you in that June the 26th, last Sunday of this month, on Sunday morning before we do our fireworks event that night, we're going to do a water baptism here. And we're not doing that because it's a sweet little expression of symbolism. We're doing that because it's a tool in the hand of God to punish the enemy and to set us free in a greater place in Jesus' mighty name. Water baptism is not a requirement for salvation. Jesus' blood is enough. How many of you know? But he's given us all kinds of tools and all kinds of abilities and all kinds of capacities that we need to learn to experience. How many of you know communion at the back of this center section right here is a powerful tool in worship when you just want to go back during worship and receive communion and just embrace the broken body and the shed blood? That becomes a tool in the hand of God when your faith is combined with it. When you walk back to a giving station and you say, I'm going to worship the Lord with the increase of my life. How many of you know something is triggered and released in the kingdom of God as a result. These are tools God places in our hand. We need to learn to apply them by an attitude of faith. So water baptism is one of those tools and I encourage you really seriously give consideration. Number one, if you've not been baptized, you really should. We want to follow the example of Christ. And number two, if you have been and you didn't understand it, let's apply greater understanding, true revelation, and a deeper sense of faith to what God's desiring to do in this next season of our lives phenomenally the Israelites come out of, of the bondage in that first Passover 50 days later Moses is having this phenomenal encounter then we see fast forward to when Jesus is being presented as the ultimate Passover lamb and what's taking place in the Passover of the presentation of the Messiah that 
the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, is slain. Fifty days later, Moses isn't up on the mountain. What's taking place? The day of Pentecost. Again, another encounter with humanity unlike anything the world had ever known and seen. And that's what's taking place in the overall history of this. You understand what happened on the day of Pentecost actually was the conclusion of a narrative that actually would perpetuate and more uh, into our day now that we look back and we see, man, God was setting this up all along. God has been setting us up all along. God has been setting you up all along for the plans of God that he has for your life. You will not miss God's will if you want to have God's will. He's working way too hard to cause you, not to uh, cause you to, to get it right. Take heart. Take heart. But we have to understand the deeper narrative God's desiring for us to, to recognize and a very important word that we're going to talk about today, context. Context matters. The context of your life matters. As a person who came out of drug abuse, I can tell you context matters. Who you surround yourself will influence the way you think and the decisions you make and the life you possess five years from now, ten years from now. The children you may never have or do have or wherever you are in life, how many of you know context matters and God's trying to get a hold of us and get our attention so that we allow him to have his way. So I, I want us to, to look at this. I thought it was really quite interesting. There was this study done years ago. It's like... Uh, in the 40s was when the study was done. And, and they did this research on context and peer pressure. And so it's an interesting study. And I actually found a video online. What, by the way, for those of you online, welcome. Destiny Table, New York. So glad you're joining us. Uh, we're trying to do a juggling act with videos because I can't hardly integrate them anymore because we go to Facebook jail when we play videos that we don't have rights to and and we're still trying to figure out what that is we got out of Facebook jail last year thank God we got out uh, and and now uh, we don't want to go back to Facebook jail so we're not going to play this video online what we're going to just play it on here and you're going to watch this play with no sound and we're hoping nobody goes back to Facebook jail Facebook doesn't they're, they're a little difficult to figure out sometimes. They're, they're probably pinging me right now because I've said their, their, their name multiple times. Isn't it? Algorithms, huh? Okay, so let's take a look and let's just uh, see this study and, and what was taking place. It's so bizarre, but ultimately they had a, a test subject that went into an elevator. I know it's old grainy video, but he's standing back in the back to the right. And then they had... Uh, he was unsuspecting, by the way. And then they have these people come into the elevator, and they don't face forward like normal people face forward. What are they doing? They're facing backwards. And so this guy is now face-to-face -face with the peer pressure of, this is not the way I think. And so look at how nervous he kind of stands there trying to figure out what's going on in the context of my world right now. Uh, these people are facing the wrong direction. And so he just kind of, you know, slowly turns. He's going to nervously look at his watch as if he's wanting to know the time. He's just trying to, like, deal with the awkwardness of the moment. How many of you want to do this the next time you get in an elevator? I know you do. I do. And so he shifted and turned around. They did this multiple times, and repeatedly they found the same thing happening over and over. People are face-to-face -face with the reality that people aren't seeing life the way they are. And when... Two or three, what the study said is when three people get into the elevator, then it was just too much pressure to maintain individuality, and they just turn around. 
And it's like, okay, we'll all face the wrong direction because all of you are facing the wrong direction. This was my favorite test subject of all. This poor guy, he just immediately turns. He's not even questioning it. And then, like, they push the button. They go to a different floor, and there was. While on the route, they actually change directions, and they're facing sideways. And did he join them? Yes, he did. And so now he's sideways, and he's trying to figure out what is going on. So they, this was all programmed cue to turn. And now they're going to do a few other things to cue, just subtle cues. <laughs> and so ultimately, they're going to turn around, and he's going to follow their lead, just, you know, just following the context of his experience, and just turn right around. And then they start messing with him with his hat. Now it's no longer a direction that you face, but now it's like they took off their hat, so he's taking off his hat. I mean, what is going on here? I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, this is amazing. Context really, really matters. That is hilarious and that is concerning. And we need to understand something. There are unseen contributors that lead to the conclusions we possess and the decisions that we make and the behaviors that we express. There are subtle cues in society. You might think that you're awesome enough that that wouldn't happen to you, but I take exception because you are actually designed by God for context. And in the wrong context, things transact within you that should never transact within you. And in the proper context, things transact within you that actually bring great transformation. In the presence of the Lord, angels are angels. Outside of the presence of the Lord, something happens within those angels' existence, and they malfunction and they become demons. In the presence of the Lord, men and women, sons and daughters of God, in the presence of the Lord are kings and priests and prophets. I'm calling to the prophetic nature of God that exists within you today. Outside of the presence of God, those kings, priests, and prophets all become slaves as they begin to malfunction and are enslaved by whatever it is that's drawing their attention. Society is constantly providing these subtle cues that are trying to draw us into conformity thinking. We don't understand the value of the things God says is priority because we're confused by the narrative or the context of the world that's constantly trying to distract us. I was sharing with somebody this week, this isn't a you should go to church sermon, but how many you know the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Like, it's a headache, isn't it, to deal with church people? You can amen, it's okay. But that's the best context for you to learn how to love. It's easy to be patient when nobody's de demanding patience out of you. It's easy to be forgiving when nobody's doing you wrong or taking your seat or whatever that may be. And I was just sharing this last week that now in the United States of America, not only do less than 20%, it's about 18% of society attend church on any given weekend, but the average Christian actually attends church one out of six times, and they call that regular attendance, and they'll have two or three churches that they say is their church home. 
Now, do you think they they got those ideas from the Bible or from the nature of God? Or do you think they got those ideas from subtle cues in society? And are you slipping into allowing the subtle cues of society to take control of the way you think? I promise you the context is more important than any of us can possibly realize. That being said, you do realize that the highest court in this land... This is so important that we recognize Supreme Court justice that recently was brought in to to take a life appointment on the highest court in the land was asked in this conversation of discussing the appointment, can you simply tell us what a woman is? To which she replied, no. I don't know if you're aware of this, I'm not even sure what all your opinions may be of this, but let me just tell you, God created male and female. I heard this last week, and and I'm I'm not against anybody. I'm just for Jesus and what he says in his word, and that we might grow together in a reality of what God desires. I heard this debate and discussion going on this past week as we're in Pride Month and how do we handle Pride Month and all of those types of things. And the person actually in the discussion said, some men are born with vaginas and some women are born with a penis. No! That's not the way it works with God. Now in the world system, we might try to change that up a little bit and come up with different realities born from different perspectives that in so many ways are coming from our social cues that are so subtle to try and get us to think in ways that are contrary to God's original design. But I want you to know, Jesus wants to draw our attention in such a way that we're so aligned with his reality that even when we stand in the elevator and everybody comes in and faces the wrong way, we stand strong Facing the way we know is the way of truth. You need to hear me say these types of things from time to time. It's not hate speech, it's truth speech. I want somebody to tell me the truth. I don't want to go to the doctor with a broken arm and for them to just say, listen, in the name of being politically correct and gentle, I'm just going to tell you it's going to be okay. I want them to say, your arm is broken. It's twisted out of joint. I'm about to twist it back into joint. It's going to hurt like crazy, but you need this if you're going to be healed. Sometimes the truth hurts. But if we're going to be well, then we're going to have to recognize, folks, this world is a mess. You need to understand that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to parent well, to marry well, to to financially plan well. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in every area of our lives. Honoring God and the truth of His Word. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 6, it changed the game. It changed the world. Suddenly, 
all the power that had been demonstrated through Christ was now readily available to all the church. How many of you know that the the devil and his hordes of demons, every time Jesus would walk into any community, the devil and all of his hordes of demons would just be quaking and shaking. And here he comes with his two feet everywhere he touches the ground. It's releasing something of God's kingdom. With his two hands, every person he's touching, it's reversing the kingdom of darkness. With his one tongue, and he's declaring every word that he's declaring is the power of God, releasing something of substance that actually has the power to transform society. And we know the devil hated that. Then comes the day of Pentecost where the body of Christ has the capacity to be filled with the Spirit. Now there are millions of hands and millions of feet and millions of voices all over the world that carry that same kind of power. That's you. You'll receive power Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. I believe it is significant that today we have purposed to gather all together at 10.30 a.m. in one place. I think the Lord does all these things that he does on purpose. They were all together in one place, verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent, rushing, what? Wind. There are two things I want to point out in this. Like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to be to them tongues as of fire. We're going to see wind and fire from a little different standpoint in a few moments. But this tongues of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. They were all, not some of them, all of them, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We want all of you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I want to say again, it is our desire and our conviction that you grow in maturity in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. We want you to explore what that really looks like in your life, various expressions. We believe in a prayer language for individuals, the self-edification, where you actually build yourself up in the most holy faith, Jude chapter 1, verse 20. We believe in these, these things of the Spirit. We're not allowing the social narrative to bleed us from believing in the reality and the power of God's Word. I want to encourage you. I can give you so much today. We've done summer sessions on this. There are five uh, messages on our website. If you go to destinyokc.com forward slash Holy Spirit, then we called it the not-so-spooky ghost stories. (laughs) And so it's just five messages to help you explore. Blogs are there, research. Can I just say to you, we understand as a church, we can have distinction without having to have division. It's possible, it's probable that there are people online or in the room who've heard things right now that I've said today, and you're asking, you know, I'm not sure I get that. I don't know where I am on that. Listen carefully. We can have distinction without having to have division if we'll keep loving each other forward while we're exploring what God wants us to understand. How many of you, when you became a Christian, you didn't figure out all your belief structure all at once? 
How many of you, some things have changed over the course of time as you've studied the Word and you've learned about God? Okay, we're on a journey. Let's be on this journey together in relationship, understanding we can have distinction without having to have division. I had somebody one time tell me, man, I just, I'm not sure. I sit in front of this one lady, and she's just speaking in tongues all the time at our church. And, and, and I, I just don't know what I think about that. And I said, well, you should either join her or find a different section. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Russell, they're talking about you. <laughs> Mighty woman of God. <laughs> the day of Pentecost was this incredible moment in time, the birth of the New Testament church by all practical counts. It's an amazing moment in time where thousands of people responded to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's phenomenal. This was not a moment that just casually took place. The context of this moment is something we really need to understand in helping us recognize the very nature of God and the way He brings about His plans. This was a moment that had been prepared over many generations Jews from all over gathered in Jerusalem. And the narrative of the Messiah and God's power that would one day be revealed in your sons and daughters who will prophesy. Come on. I want my sons and daughters to prophesy. I want them to know what it is to hear the voice of God and declare the word of the Lord and transform cities and communities because of the outpouring of the Spirit of God and revival. I love studying some of those old revivals. Have you ever read about these? And all of a sudden, like, entire societies come to know Jesus, and the judges don't have anything to do in the courts of law. This is crazy. I, I don't want to get all political on you, but I'm just telling you right now, all the political arguments about the horrific things that go on in our world, we really need to, to understand there's something deeper we need to embrace. And it's the unified church praying the power of God to be awakened in communities that transform hearts of criminals to become Christians. But instead... We get on a Republican elevator and we just turn around and face like everybody else. Or we get on a Democrat elevator and we just turn around and face like everybody else. And then we're guilty of political division that actually divides the body of Christ and we lose sight of unity. Can I say again, we can have distinction without having to have division if we understand the power of God being demonstrated and released in the earth through the unified body of Christ. Yeah, I didn't think that'd go over quite that well. <laughs> still the truth, and I'm still going to declare it. God's been preparing and forming this eternal perspective of a narrative for a very long time. The Israelites, all these generations, had heard 
stories and rehearsed promises and listened to speakers talking about what God was wanting to do in an hour that one day would come. The narrative had been set. That which existed within them had a sense of expectation of what God was going to do. What kind of expectation do you live in right now? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the narrative of your life determines the level of your hope. Are you rehearsing the narrative of God or are you taking subtle cues from society that are watering down your expectation and you're not even walking in an attitude of faith? I just want you to understand something. God's been preparing your world for you as much as he has been preparing you for your world. And you need to get that narrative awakened within you as you walk this thing out. In Acts 2, isn't it interesting? Again, the overall narrative, what God was revealing over all this period of time. In Acts chapter 2, what were the two things we focused on? Wind and fire. We see wind and we see fire. This actually aligned with previous expressions that God used that we read about in Scripture. He he was actually coming back to the same things just to help a narrative be formed. What happened in Exodus chapter 3? Moses encountered God in a burning bush. It was fire. What happened in, in Exodus chapter 13? And God gave direction to the Israelites by fire at night and by blowing this pillar of cloud with wind during the day. It's amazing, isn't it? And then all of a sudden it shows up as a continuation of the narrative, awakening the ancient promises, releasing the power of God in the hearts of God's people who have this anchored narrative that exists within them. I'm calling to the narrative in your life, declaring Jesus is Lord and the power of God actually should be resting in your soul right now. Things awakening within you when we get together and we talk about God's Word. I'm tired of just giving my best little positive speech. I want the power of God awakening God's people. I'm sorry for spitting on you. I just want to say, God is so gracious. I'm standing over here. Kristen comes over. And I said, hey. Pastor A.T. saved you a seat right in the middle front because we're trying to get you folks to get over here in the middle front. And she goes, I'll sit over there. There's his bag. She goes over and gets his bag. She comes over. She's sitting there. I'm, I'm worshiping. And I look over and A.T. comes over and there's this conversation going on between the two. And I'm thinking, oh man, he's fussing. They're not going to stay there. And then she takes the bag back over there because it wasn't his bag. <laughs> I love that. Joe, you might check your wallet. not only do we see Moses encountering uh, God with fire in Exodus 3 and then in Exodus 13 fire and the pillar and the wind the fire working together but we also see this interesting experience where Moses encountered God on the mountain and what was it that they that marked this encounter it was fire and it was smoke I mean, just amazing the narrative. God purposed to use these well-known precedents on the day of Pentecost to reiterate a deeper narrative of eternal proportion. Is this encouraging to anybody else? When I started realizing this, I started thinking, man, God's been at work in my life since I was a kid. Like, there's stuff that happens, and then I, ah, oh, that was God. In my darkest moment, God was actually at work. I've got news for you. It's not just since we were kids. 
It's generations before us. In fact, it's the foundation of the world before he formed you in the womb. He knew you, prepared the world for you. You are without excuse because he made the way. He designed you exactly the way he wanted to design you to fulfill the call of God. So wake up to the purposes of God and let the Spirit of God awaken things within you today. Let's give ourselves to the deeper narrative of God. What do you say? Where we, tra- where we treasure His eternal purposes as He reveals those things in beautiful, amazing, and wonderful ways. <sighs> Holy Spirit, would you come? We don't want to merely know the power of God in certain settings and contexts. We want to learn the power of God in our everyday lives. That our conversations and our interactions with people around us will be laced with this incredible grace from God to awaken God's kingdom in some of the most dead souls of people around us. Words of encouragement carrying substance and weight. Words of hope, that supernatural hope in Jesus' mighty name. See, I'm, I'm looking at this group of people and I, we've been at this for a long time. Those of you who've been around, I, I'm, I'm observing you thinking about how many marriages have been saved and restored, how many people have walked through financial ruin to be totally restored, people who got reports that they didn't think they could survive that are here today celebrating the goodness of God. I just want to say to you, the power of the Holy Spirit is available for us to embrace. Now, I don't understand how things work in the kingdom of God, and when I see things maneuver, and when I see things don't, I'm not trying to pretend I'm an expert to that, but what I am saying is He is a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. When we start to cooperate with the deeper narrative of eternity, He wants to awaken within our lives. So let's pay attention to him today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and your action point this week. By the way, we took some time with our uh, community group leaders yesterday. And I began to introduce an idea of how we might more effectively awaken the prophetic nature of God within the body of Christ coming in the fall. Even in the way we work with our discussion questions within our groups. I just I want you to hear me say we are utterly devoted to doing everything we can to truly train and equip and disciple God's sons and daughters. We are 100% committed to moving past 
the attractional model ideology of the Western world church that can so easily get focused on attracting people into a building without ever truly making disciples and never really awakening the power of the Spirit of God within God's people. We are, we are moving beyond that. We've determined with conviction we are moving into a place where we're going to more effectively awaken God's sons and daughters to truly be disciples. Thank God people can come to church and we'll encourage them, invite them. We'll still have a fireworks event and all those things. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to tiptoe through the tithers or cautiously talk about the Holy Spirit. I want you to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to function in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to encounter God in your everyday way of life. And this week, I want to ask you to explore the deeper narrative of God as your action point. Explore this in places of prayer. Let something be triggered within you today that you won't just try to find a place of prayer, but you begin to explore the deeper narrative of this revelation of prayer, of what God's trying to awaken within us. Reading God's Word, where you're not just sitting, you know, reading a book, but you're encountering the author of that book as your way of life, and you're really exploring the deeper narrative and connecting intentionally with God's family. We so desperately need community. Do not be casual about your connection to the church once every six weeks. You heard what I said about the Supreme Court justice and the narrative of the world today. I'm just going to tell you right now, saying that's your church is not enough to get your kids over the hump and the mountain that they're facing of the narrative that is raping their innocence emotionally, mentally, in every way. You better hear what I'm saying. Because it is a reality. And this is where we're going to go next week. I believe the Lord wants to help us understand the deeper reality of what it means to walk with God. And this week, I just encourage you, pay attention to people around you. I just felt this morning as I was praying, the Lord was saying to me, uh, there'll be this week an individual that I'm going to encounter that I will sense uh, the Lord's grace in a conversation and interaction with them. And so I just began to pray, okay, Lord, who is that? And I actually feel like the Lord told me who it was going to be. And I have to tell you, I was shocked. How many of you know God, like, thinks stuff beyond what we think? You might be surprised who God's going to save out of their sin and their bondage in the next week. You might be surprised. But as I was praying over this individual and just asking the Lord for wisdom, I felt like the Lord was saying to me to issue the challenge to you. Will you pray about a specific individual this week that you're just to love well? No strength attached. You don't have to ask anything of them. You don't have to try and bend their arm to get them to go to church. Just love them well and pay attention to the grace that God might actually be stirring in that conversation that could very well be an impartation out of your heart and the deep narrative of eternity that awakens and activates the kingdom of God in their life. Isn't that amazing to think about that? Like we have that capacity? The world is a mess. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to navigate through career decisions, relationship decisions, parenting decisions, financial decisions. I'm saying it again. He's given the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, and direct us, awakening the very desires of God within us. 
You've not just been given an assignment from God. Actually been given a supernatural capacity that exists within you. Fulfill the assignment that you've been given from God. You're not on your own. He's with you. He's in you. And by his power, you can fulfill your God-given assignment. So today, we're going to just press in and we're going to worship. And I just say to you, be filled fresh and new today with his spirit. You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor A.T. mentioned in Acts chapter 2, this passage we're talking about, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we read in Acts chapter 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. I got to tell you, when I got saved, my life totally changed. How about you? But when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, a few years after I got saved, like I, I was, my, my world, my paradigm, I was just like, what has gone on? All of a sudden, uh, there was just something so uniquely empowered within me. So I want to encourage you. Explore and pursue everything God desires for you to possess. Our prayer team is going to be available as we worship. And they're prepared just if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, fresh and new, maybe for the first time or maybe again, they're going to be available at the back as we just begin to worship. They're not going to try and lead you into spiritual gifts. and They're just going to ask the Lord, just fill them with the Holy Spirit and we just receive what God's desiring to do within our hearts. How many of you believe we need to just press in and go deeper? Tis the season. So come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give ear to him before we make any moves. Lord, help us to understand and explore this thing, the church. <laughs> the way you want us to understand. We know it's a new season the body of Christ is entering into. And we all want to be firing on all cylinders as we step into this new season. In Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you help us to be more aware of you? We understand you're fully aware of us. Help us to be more aware of you. Even in the way we worship, we'll be less concerned with how we feel about the song that has been selected, less concerned about how we feel about any of the circumstances surrounding us, more concerned about what you're doing in that moment in time. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's press in and just worship the Lord. Before we're dismissed, this is part of our congregational assignment. I remind you of that often, but we as a family want to just press in and worship the Lord together as a part of our gathering. Something powerful to be released in this time. And the prayer team at this time, they'll um, be available for you to uh, come. If you have any needs of prayer, if you'd like to be filled with the Spirit, if you have any other need, let us pray for you as a team that just believes in the power of prayer.